You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular podcast offered on iTunes because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. We've got a huge show for you guys today. You're definitely going to have to buckle your seatbelts because I think we've got so much information that is going to be relevant and actionable for you when it comes to options trading today as we talk about implied volatility and how this is really your edge when it comes to trading. So we got a huge show for you, but before we get into that, I just want you guys to know that we did reach the number one new and noteworthy ranking in iTunes this week, which is just huge. So thank you so much for all of you guys who have helped us and reviewed. We've got a ton of great reviews, but we can always use more. So if you haven't dropped us a review in iTunes, please go over there and do that. That would continue to help us keep the number one spot in investing, which again is just huge and phenomenal, just absolutely blows me away. So today, here's the agenda that I have as we talk about implied volatility and IV rank or implied volatility rank and how this really becomes your edge when it comes to trading. So the first thing we want to go over today is you know the difference between implied volatility and historical volatility. And it's a very subtle difference, but it's important to know because you might hear those terms kind of thrown out there. And then what we're also going to talk about is a couple basic examples of what implied volatility looks like with real numbers. So how we can really you know, put some context around this, around this implied volatility figure and use it in our day-to-day trading and expectations. And then we're going to talk about the relativeness of implied volatility comparing two different stocks. So we're actually going to look at Yahoo and Halliburton and compare what relative implied volatility looks like with those two stocks. And then finally, we're going to wrap everything up with how to use this info for making trades, right? So once we know what implied volatility is and how it's calculated and all that other stuff, we're going to wrap everything up here and tell you guys how you can really use this as your edge when it comes to trading and making strategy selections. Okay, so jam-packed episode. All right, so let's get into it here with talking about what implied volatility is versus historical volatility. And before we do that, let's just talk about what volatility is to begin with. And if you're an experienced trader, you might know this, but if you're new to trading, you probably have heard the term before, and undoubtedly you've heard it from me, but volatility is just the swings of a stock, right? So how volatile is the stock? And you hear all the time, you know, things are volatile in the Middle East or in Africa or whatever, right? And that just means that things are swinging in in extremes. And when it comes to options and stocks, volatility is an important factor in pricing out securities and then also calculating and figuring out, you know, what the likelihood is that a stock might swing to one extreme or another. Now, the difference between historical volatility and implied volatility is that historical volatility is backward looking. So historical volatility says, okay, based on the last you know, year of trading or the last two years of trading for any particular stock, what kind of extremes has it had? And therefore, we can then calculate the volatility or the price changes that that stock had in the past. So historically going back in the future. 
Now, implied volatility is a little bit different. Implied volatility is a more forward-looking figure because it takes the pricing of at-the-money options, so options that are kind of centered and, and surrounding the current stock price, it takes those priced options and projects, based on market activity and market participants, where the stock might go in the future. Now, it's not the only factor that goes into it. There's obviously some other things about stock price and swings and stuff like that that goes into that to that calculation, but it helps project where market pricing is in the future based on current activity in the market. Okay, so that also means that we know that eventually that market activity can change and people can have you know swings in their expectations, just like the market has swings in price. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's first use a really basic example and kind of drive home the point here of implied volatility. So when I talk about implied volatility throughout this podcast, we know that we're not talking about historical. We're going to only be talking about implied volatility going forward. So let's take a stock, for example, that is trading at $50, just to give us some round numbers. And let's say that the implied volatility that the options are pricing are giving the stock a uh, volatility rank or percentage of 20%. So what that means is that over the course of the next year, we could see a swing of up to 20% up or down in that stock price. So again, a stock that has an implied volatility rank or rating, implied volatility rating of 20% and a stock price of 50 could swing up as much as $10 and it could swing down as much as $10, which would give it a range of about 40 to 60 over the next year. Now, one key thing here is that this implied volatility rating gives us a one standard deviation swing in the stock price. And you're probably thinking to yourself, Kirk, this is like high school math, right? I'm like back in my statistics class. And yes, this Im involves a little bit of math and a little bit of statistics and probability. But a one standard deviation range, all you need to know is that that encompasses about 68% of the probable move in the stock. So what this is saying is that between 40 and $60 for this particular stock is the range that the stock is likely to trade in over the next year about 68% of the time. Again, I'll say that a little bit slower. This stock that's currently trading at $50 has a range of 40 to $60 and it's going to trade in that range about 68% of the time, or you know, the vast majority of the time it's going to trade in that range. So implied volatility gives us some context as to how that range is defined. And that can really help us as options traders because then that allows us to then figure out if a, an option strike that we're selecting to trade is maybe too far out or too far you know, too far, too high, or too low compared to where the stock might actually trade 68% of the time. So now that we have that kind of basic example, now the next question that everyone always asks is, well, Kirk, that's the expected range over the next year, right? Well, what if I'm trading an option that's 30 days or 60 days out? So let's look at a little bit different example and some different numbers here because then we can calculate actually the expected range of a stock's movement when we actually break down that yearly figure into a more normalized monthly or bi-monthly figure. So let's, for this sake of this argument, let's take that same $50 stock 
But instead of saying a 20% move, let's just say it has an implied volatility of 10%. Okay, so now we're looking at a same $50 stock and an implied volatility of 10%. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna calculate just with a square root, and you don't have to do this every time for a stock, but this is how it's actually calculated. We're gonna take the square root of 30 trading days over the course of a year and figure out what the expected move is for that stock. So in this case, $50 with a 10% implied volatility over the next 30 days, that particular stock has a good chance of moving up or down $1.43, so $1.43. That means that it can move up to $51.43 or down to $48.57. Now, if we kind of stretch that timeline out and we say, okay, well, what about 60 days? So let's not look at the next 30 days, let's look at the next 60 days. Then that means that that stock with the same implied volatility can move up to 52.3 and down to 47.97. But you'll notice we don't just keep adding the same 143 together. We don't just stack it on top of each other. We have to put the numbers back into the formula and kind of calculate out this range. And then if we go out 90 days, so we go out another 30 days, now the stock has a range of 52.48 to 47.52. So you can see that as we go further out in time, the stock's probable range starts to increase. And again, this is really helpful as options traders because depending on what month we choose to trade contracts in, we can figure out exactly where a stock might go in the future based on this expected range. Now, here's the really good news, right? Because you're probably thinking to yourself, Kirk, I don't ever want to calculate this stuff. And believe me, I never calculate this stuff. For most broker platforms, all of this information is already pre-built into the platform. So for example, on Thinkorswim, which is the broker that I use, if we look at, for example, ticker symbol GLD, which is gold, then we look right next to where the options, the option contract months are, it already has the implied volatility percentage and in the right-hand column, it has a plus or minus and a dollar value mm -hmm. telling us exactly what that expected range could be in the future for gold depending on what month we're trading. So for example, right now, the November contracts are the most front contracts and those have an expected range of about $4.15. So what this is saying is that GLD could trade up or down about $4.15, again, 68% of the time. So again, the vast majority of the time, but that's the range that's going to be in. If I go out to January, which is a month and a half, almost two months out, then those January options are saying that gold could trade up or down as much as $8.15. So it's almost double what it is for November. And again, this gives you some context around where expected moves are going to be for a stock. Now, just as a little bit of a sidebar, I find this very, very interesting when it comes to actually research and all of these banks or investment firms publishing research. And look, I used to be in that business, right? I worked for a small, or not small, but mid-sized regional bank that had a research department and we covered REITs. And in that business, we were, you know, publishing reports and projecting price targets based on all the, you know, crazy formulas we had and talking with the CEOs and CFOs. 
But when it comes down to it, you see a lot of these reports out there, and I see them all the time where some company like JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs or UBS is publishing a stock price target on XYZ stock or this stock. And you go in and you actually look at the likelihood that the stock is going to get to that point based on all the trading activity and all the history of the stock price movement and implied volatility and the market. And the likelihood that they actually get to that stock point is like 2% or 3%, right? It's like way outside of this expected move that we're talking about here. And you just have to wonder, how do they come up with this stuff? Right? And, and I know it's it's based on projections and, and forecasts, right? How fast are revenues going to grow? How fast are expenses going to grow? Or are they going to grow? Are they going to get new investment? Are they going to you know sell a new product? Whatever the case is. But in reality, more often than not, all that stuff is a bunch of garbage. And as an options trader, we don't need any of that stuff. We don't need price targets from an analyst, right? And I used to be in that business. I'm telling you, you don't need any of that stuff to trade successfully, All of that information is baked into the market participants who are actively trading the security, which then gives us the expected range going forward in the future. So a little bit of a sidebar, but it's something that I think is really important. And people get really, really hung up on that, which is is obviously really, really uh, a shame. Okay, so now that we've talked about kind of this basic example and, and looked at, you know, this expected move, we know that implied volatility can help us project where a stock is going to go. Now the next biggest question, this is something I go over a lot with my coaching students that I have, is let's talk about relativeness of implied volatility. Because the whole argument that can be made around trading options is that when options are expensive or pricey, meaning that implied volatility is very high, that you should be a net seller of options, which I agree with. And when options are low, that you shouldn't necessarily be a buyer of options, but you should use strategies that are more geared towards a move up in implied volatility. Okay, so we know that when options are high and implied volatility is high, we should be selling them. And generally, for the most part, we should be buying options when options are low and option prices are low and implied volatility is low. But how do you know when you're looking at a stock if implied volatility is low or high, right? Because two different stocks could have completely different implied volatility rankings. You could be looking at a tech stock versus a utility stock. And a tech stock is going to have more swings just naturally than a utility stock. But that doesn't mean that one is better than the other. So we need some sort of way to bring all this stuff together and compare apples to apples. So really compare relative implied volatility on one stock versus relative implied volatility on another, and then that will give us a better understanding of which stock actually has a more favorable situation to be trading in. So today, like I mentioned, I want to use two different examples. And the first example that I want to use is Yahoo. And I've used Yahoo before on this, this podcast because it's just a good example of a stock that's highly traded, very liquid, um, and has a lot of movement, right? It's a tech stock. It's been through some ups and downs over the last couple of years, you know, with CEOs coming and going and products. So it's a good one to always use because it's got a lot of activity. Now, currently, at the time of this recording, Yahoo is trading at $47, And Yahoo's implied volatility, which is what I want you to focus on even more than that, 
its implied volatility right now is 32%. So that's the percentage that we kind of expect the stock to move in over the next year. Now, as I look at the next stock, which is Halliburton, and that ticker symbol for Halliburton is H-A-L. Halliburton is trading right around $48. Okay, so very, very similar in price. And it's expected volatility, implied volatility rating right now is also 32%. They're like a little bit off, but just for the sake of this argument, let's make sure that they're both the same around 32. Okay, there's like little decimal rounding. So both of these stocks, Yahoo and Halliburton, have implied volatility of 32%. So if you're looking on the outside, just kind of on the surface here, not knowing how we figure out relativeness and seeing which one is relatively higher or lower, you would say that both of these trades are about the same, right? They both have about the same implied volatility, both about the same stock price. So they would be pretty equal comparisons, right? They, you, you could trade one versus the other. But here's the thing. When we look back in time over Yahoo's implied volatility, and we can chart that right in your platform, you can chart implied volatility just like you can chart a stock price. We see that just a couple months ago, implied volatility for Yahoo was up at 60%. So it was almost double what it is right now. And so what that means is that for Yahoo, a reading of 32% right now in implied volatility is actually relatively low compared to where it's been before in the past. So again, Yahoo's, Yahoo has had implied volatility ratings just a couple months ago, or percentages just a couple months ago of 60%. And right now it's at 32. So we can say, man, that's, that's pretty low compared to where it's been in the past. Now let's look at Halliburton. Halliburton, again, we can look back in time over where Halliburton has been, and you can chart Halliburton's implied volatility percentage. Now going back in time, we can see that at one point, implied volatility in Halliburton was up at 50%, okay? So now we know that Halliburton has relatively low implied volatility compared to its peak, which was 50%, but at 32%, it's still not as low relative to Yahoo. Yahoo had a greater disparity in its implied volatility swing from 60 to 32 compared to Halliburton, which has at most an implied volatility rating of 50, and now it's at 32. Okay, so now you can start, we're starting to build some framework around if implied volatility is relatively high or relatively low for a particular stock. So as I do this, there's one other figure that you can throw into your broker platform and we'll throw it in the show notes, a link to one of the videos that we have that shows you how to actually put this formula in here so the figure comes up right in your broker platform in Thinkorswim. But the figure that we're talking about here is implied volatility rank or implied volatility percentile. And so what that does is that it takes all of that history of both of these stocks and it says, okay, based on all of the history of implied volatility, the ups, the downs, the highs and the lows, what percentile is the current reading in? So it gives us an idea of 
where implied volatility is relative to that stock's trading history. Because again, both of these stocks have the same implied volatility reading right now. But in the case of Yahoo, that implied volatility reading is in the 18th percentile of where it's been historically. So the IVR or the implied volatility rank on Yahoo is 18%. And what that means is that only 18% of the time over the last year, implied volatility has been lower than it is right now. So you could then flip that around and say, okay, if implied volatility only 18% of the time has been lower, then that means that almost 72% of the time implied volatility has been higher in Yahoo than it is right now. And again, just make sure that you're following me on this. I know there's a lot of numbers in here and I told you in the beginning, right? You guys strap on, you know, buckle up your seatbelt. This is going to be a lot of information. But again, implied volatility right now in Yahoo is in the 18th percentile, meaning that 18% of the time it's lower than it is right now. Also meaning on the flip side, if we kind of take the inverse, almost 78% of the time implied volatility is higher than it is right now. So what this means is that Yahoo actually has relatively low implied volatility. And as an options trader, this gives us an opportunity to then decide how we want to create a strategy based on this information, which is so important, knowing that Yahoo actually has relatively low implied volatility. Now, when we go over and look at Halliburton, Halliburton has an implied volatility rank or an implied volatility percentile of 59%. So what that means is that over the course of the last year, just like how we did it with Yahoo, almost 59% of the time implied volatility is lower than it is right now. On the flip side, that also means that almost 41% of the time implied volatility is higher. So you could look at Halliburton and say Halliburton has relatively high implied volatility because almost 59% of the time it's going to be lower over the course of a year. So as an options trader, we then make a different type of trade and strategy with Halliburton as compared to Yahoo. Okay, so again, just to kind of bring all of this back together, both of these stocks, Halliburton and Yahoo, have the exact same implied volatility reading right now of 32%. So on the surface, it looks like they have the same probability of moving. But when it comes to actually trading the options, we've now known by looking at historically where implied volatility is for both of these stocks, that Yahoo has relatively cheap implied volatility when it's sitting at 32%. And Halliburton has relatively high implied volatility sitting at 32%. Because remember, we got to look at each of these individually. So hopefully that builds a little bit of context around implied volatility and how this really works with the whole relativeness and percentiles that you can use right inside of your broker platform. And again, I'll have a link in the show notes. You can go to optionalpha.com slash show seven, just the number seven, optionalpha.com slash show seven. And we'll have a link to the script and the video of how to add that script into your broker platform on Thinkorswim. But this really, 
this whole idea, and just to kind of wrap this up here with how is this you know, applicable to trading? How do we get our edge in the market? Well, we know as options traders that implied volatility always overstates. So implied volatility, if it projects on average 20% move, it'll maybe be an 18% move or a 15% move. So long-term, implied volatility always overstates the expected move. It's always looking at the worst case, biggest swing possible. And long-term, we know that that's true. There's been a ton of studies that have been done about that. So if we know that our edge as options traders is to sell volatility when it's high and more or less buy it when it's low, not to say that you should be gobbling up a bunch of options, but to be you know, in strategies that are favorable to an increase in implied volatility, this new information that we talked about today with implied volatility percentile and relativeness helps us understand that in a trade like Yahoo, we should not be selling volatility or using strategies that profit from a decline in volatility because volatility in Yahoo is actually relatively cheap. Instead, we should be looking at selling premium and volatility in Halliburton because Halliburton has relatively high implied volatility, right? So that's where we kind of wrap this whole thing up and and build some context around this. It's just not about the actual implied volatility rating or what percentage it is. You have to look a little bit deeper and dig deeper and see if that implied volatility rating is relatively high or low for a given stock. And when you can do that, then you give yourself a huge leap and a huge step advantage on 99.9% of traders out there because now you're trading with smarter information and know which strategies are going to work for what particular mar- whatever particular market you're in right now. So you know that you could be doing strategies that take advantage of levels of high implied volatility versus levels of low implied volatility. So hopefully this has been just a huge, huge source of knowledge and information for you guys. And again, my goal is always to educate you on some of these, you know, not so talked about aspects of trading, which can sometimes be hard. It's a lot of numbers. Believe me, it's a lot of information and you got to visualize in your head. But it's so important to grasp this concept if you want to be successful in this business. All right, so today let's get into the closing bell. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. Okay, so in today's closing bell, I want to talk a little bit about some earnings trades because uh, we're right in the middle of earnings season as we do this podcast. And and I think today's talk about implied volatility is, is a little fitting because what typically happens as we head into an earnings event is that we see a spike in implied volatility for a stock. And this is very characteristic. We can chart this for thousands of stocks going back a long time. But we see that spike in implied volatility because we head into that earnings event and we hit an unknown, right? This kind of looming date where the company is going to say if it made a bunch of money or lost a bunch of money or is firing workers or is hiring workers, whatever the case is. So that's why as we head into earnings, you'll typically see stocks that have higher implied volatility. Now we know we can again chart this relativeness, but we can also use that information to make a trade and profit 
from a drop in implied volatility after that earnings event happens. So after someone announces earnings and they come out and they you know, either made money or didn't or whatever the case is, now that unknown is behind us, the market now has knowledge. And whether that knowledge is good or bad, whether the company is making money or not, generally we'll see a drop in implied volatility because now the market is a little bit more aware of the potential move in the stock. As traders, we can take advantage of this by selling options right before earnings and profiting from that overnight uh, event that happens the next day. So we actually ended up doing this in two stocks I'll just briefly mention today. And Tesla, which is TSLA, a very, very big stock, uh, lots of options that were traded around earnings. And to give you some frame of reference, Tesla had an IV rank or an implied volatility rank of almost 70% yesterday before it announced earnings. Now that was projecting that the stock would make almost a $20 move. And yesterday it closed around 240 or 230 or so. So it was projecting that the stock would make almost a $20 move for a one day event. That's a pretty big move for a stock. Now today, fast forward, and Tesla has announced earnings, and they did good with their earnings. Tesla actually did move about 14%. So again, you can see that even though the stock moved, or I'm sorry, $14, it moved about $14. So even though the stock did move $14, that was well within the expected range that volatility was projecting. And so like we talked about earlier in the show, volatility was projecting that we could have a move of up to $20. So now it was overstated and volatility always overstates the expected move on average. Tesla is a great example of that because we were projecting a $20 move and we got a $14 move today. Now, as a result, implied volatility also dropped down into the 20th percentile. So implied volatility dropped dramatically and we had sold a call spread above the market in Tesla and we were able to take a nice big profit on that call spread because we saw a drop in the value and we were able to buy it back for a cheaper price, therefore taking a profit. The other one that we're gonna talk about is Solar City. So this is actually one of the first trades I've done in Solar City. Again, very big stock, lots of liquidity heading into earnings yesterday. Had an implied volatility rating or percentile of 60 in the 60th percentile. I mean, again, that 60% of the time it was gonna be lower and it was projecting about an $8 move in the stock before earnings. So an $8 move up or down in the stock. Well, SolarCity opened up today and the actual move in the stock was about $2. So it dramatically overestimated the proje projected move in the stock and the stock kind of underperformed that expected move. Now as options traders, we saw an advantage and like we do with a lot of earnings trades, and we sold options around Solar City, so we sold a nice wide strangle, predicting possibly a $10 move in either direction. And so now that the stock only moved $2, we were more than safe being $10 away from the money on either end. And again, that allowed us to take a nice little profit in Solar City today uh, that we were able to close out for basically a one-day trade. Uh, and make almost $85 per contract. So it was a very good opportunity. And you can just see, hopefully with today's uh, closing bell segment, just how powerful this can be. If you can get it right and you can consistently make trades, keep your trade size small as always, but consistently make these trades 
and stay on the right side of volatility, then you can do really, really well trading options. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, guys. So I hope you truly enjoyed today's show. And as always, I want you guys to get one thing out of it that you can apply right now to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. And hopefully today, that's this whole talk about implied volatility relativeness. I want you to go in there and look at some implied volatility historically on some of these stocks and look back and say, is it relatively high or relatively low? And use the figures uh, that we use today in Yahoo and kind of go back in time to track those with Yahoo and Halliburton. And as always, you can find additional show comments, any mentioned links or studies or videos that we talked about today by going to optionalpha.com slash show seven. That's just the number seven, optionalpha.com slash show seven. And until next time, happy trading.